0: Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom. Well, we are starting a brand new series, or more accurately, a mini-series uh, today uh, on the book of Joel. The uh, book of Yoel, the book of Joel, is a prophetic book uh, with lessons for the end times. Uh, And so it's very timely for us to be studying, both because of of the perilous times uh, in which we're we're headed into in these last days, and in which we live, and because uh, the the greater Messianic Jewish movement as a whole is a prophetic end times movement, uh, where everything is coming full circle now, and God is once again dealing with his people Israel uh, and pouring out his spirit, as we prepare for this great Jewish end times revival. Hallelujah. And the Lord wants Eschaim to be a part of this. So this is a key part of our vision here at Eschaim, to do everything we can to participate with the Lord in what he's doing in these last days, to pour out his spirit and to bring his chosen people back to him in a great wave of Jewish revival. And we need to be equipped uh, to share the gospel and to disciple the new Jewish believers coming into God's kingdom. So let's open with the book of Joel, Joel chapter 1, beginning of the first three verses. Uh, the word of the Lord came to you El, the son of Petuel. Hear this, you zakanim, you elders, listen to all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it uh, to your children. And let your children tell it to their children and their children, to the next generation. Joel is calling us to cultivate a revelation about the end times and not to put our head in the sand, uh, on the overhead. Quick overview. Joel chapter 1 deals with the context of the locust plague uh, and the famine and the drought and the fire that comes thereafter uh, as a model for how to respond to God in times of natural disasters. Joel chapter 2 deals with human crisis and military conflict. And then finally, it's only a three-chapter book. And Joel chapter 3 details God's judgment on his enemies and the enemies of his people. Uh, And if you look at Joel chapter 3, there's specific references there uh, to Tyre and Sidon, uh, the home of Hezbollah, uh, and and judgment upon Philistia, the home of Hamas. The answer to God's judgment uh, on on, on the nation uh, in in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1 is to call us to repentance and weeping and mourning and a return to the Lord. Uh, Returning to him with wholehearted devotion uh, and times of corporate prayer and fasting. Uh, A parallel passage is Joel 2, verse 12 to 17. Uh, And and, and Joel has the same message of repentance in both chapters. In chapter 1, it 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 relates to natural disaster, the locust plague. Chapter 2, it's military crisis and inhuman conflict. Uh, But but, but there's the same answer in both chapters. Seek the Lord with all your heart, uh, with wholehearted devotion to him, uh, expressed through sacred assemblies, through corporate prayer and fasting. Note the emphasis on corporate gatherings and community. There are some places in the spirit that you can only reach as a community. Now, prayer and fasting is not some magic formula. Rather, it should be an outward expression of, Of your inward wholehearted devotion to the Lord. And it's this wholehearted devotion and intimacy with that Yeshua is after. That's what moves the heart of God. Intercession from a place of intimacy. The Lord wants agreement between your heart and his heart. Yeshua is after your heart. Uh, Your fiery devotion, your burning passion, your lovesick longing. For him. Intimacy with Yeshua is the very core of wholeheartedness. And the Lord gives you, uh, uh, and and, and so I want you to ask the Lord to give you this heart for him. To be a man, to be a woman after his own heart. Now, as I said, there's no magical power in and of itself to prayer and fasting. Uh, The false religions of the world do plenty of prayer and fasting uh, to no avail. Rather, it's wholehearted devotion to Yeshua. Intimacy with God's heart. Uh, that moves uh, uh, moves us, and that moves to the Lord, uh, and, and, and which then in turn is expressed and exemplified through our prayer and through our fasting. That's what Joel is emphasizing here: fasting and prayer done in the Spirit. It strengthens and, intens- and intensifies your heart's connect to God's heart. So Joel one is about the natural disaster of the, of the locust plague. Uh, and it's aftermath of of, of drought and and famine and and fires. And this is key. Joel says a people or a nation can stay or stem or minimize a plague through repentance and a complete return to the Lord. Chapter 2 is the military intervention, a military invasion. Again, Joel says respond through repentance. A return to radical devotion to Yeshua. This is the response that God is looking for. And then chapter 3 is is the global day of the Lord conflict, the full details of which are found in the book of Revelation. And again, Joel calls the entire corporate community, the entire congregation to come together in prayer and fasting and unity and oneness of purpose. You see God's kingdom established here on earth with Yeshua reigning from Jerusalem. So Joel 1 is a picture of a God-orchestrated natural disaster. I don't want us to get too bogged down in, in, in obsessive scientific detail about all the types of locusts. I've been researching this, uh, these, these series. I saw a number of commentaries that focus on things like, well, how big the locusts were and how many and what kind and, and when, when did they strike. But I think that, that detail mixes, misses the whole point. You're, miss, you're missing the forest for the trees because the whole point is not about the anatomy or the behavior of the locusts but in how to respond to a crisis. Through returning to the Lord, returning to your first love, through confession and and, and contrition, godly sorrow over sin, renouncing and turning from all idolatry and self-centeredness, and repenting over your lack of love, uh, your lovelessness towards others. The locust plague is simply an example, a type of a natural disaster. The Holy Spirit's not, not just talking about locust plagues, but how to respond to natural disasters in general. And the point is, these are not just random natural disasters. But believe it or not, they are God-orchestrated. So whether it's a locust plague or an earthquake or a flood or COVID-19, the response needs to be the same. And Yeshua tells us in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, and it's repeated of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in Revelation chapter 6, that these calamities will increase more and more as we head into the beginning of the birth pangs of the last days. Joel 1 speaks to natural disaster, tells us that sometimes God himself is orchestrating these disruptions. Chapter 2 involves a military crisis, a crisis of human conflict, such as we're seeing today in Ukraine uh, and in Gaza. And the Lord uses both of these types of crises to shake the earth at the end of the age. And we are called to respond to with a corporate return to God, with weeping, with fasting, with supplications, with groaning, crying out, uh, intercession, repentance, calling our people Israel, calling our nation of America back to the Lord. We're called to become beacons of light with a message of hope and the gospel of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. And Yeshua warns us that what will happen in the last days, and it parallels the book of Joel. And he's raising us up, not just our evangelism team, but but everyone uh, to preach this gospel of hope uh, and, and, and redemption and salvation and rescue in Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. Revival is coming. It's Chaim. We, you, and I need to prepare our hearts. And the voice of the Lord is being awakened and stirred up among our people. This war in Gaza and some people crying out to the Lord. Uh, they're beginning to realize there is no salvation or protection uh, or safety without him. And hopefully they won't, they'll come to realize there is no ultimate peace without the Prince of Peace. And Yeshua wants you uh, to be ready with answers when calamity strikes. That's what the book of Joel is all about. So let's look at Matthew 24, beginning in verse 7. Uh, Nation will rise against nation, Uh, and kingdom against kingdom. That's the message of Joel chapter 2. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. That's the message of Joel 1. These are the beginnings of birth pangs. These are the events leading up to the great tribulation, preceding the return of Messiah. Natural disasters and military crises orchestrated by the Lord. This is the offense, by the way, the offense of Joel's message that god is behind these trials and tribulations but joel is very clear here look at joel 1 verse 15 alas for that day the day of the lord is near it will come like destruction from whom from the almighty so imagine you're being interviewed on fox news and the reporter asks you sir what do you think about all these things happening right now all these disasters these crises and you give an answer by quoting Joel one fifteen. <laughs> Alas, the day of the Lord's at hand. You're come about as destruction from the Almighty. Now, you can say to the supporter, oh, it's from the devil. They'll smirk. They'll mock. Uh, you can say, well, evil people did this. They may agree. But when you say God did this, that it was a judgment from the Almighty, they will be angry and they will gnash their teeth at you. Because if God is doing this, the implications are great. The implication is that the Lord is holy, that he's a God of justice. And the implication is that we are not right with God. And the Lord is trying to get your attention. That's not the message the world wants to hear. In Revelation 6, we have described the breaking of the seven seals. On the releasing of war and famine and death and destruction and plagues and earthquakes. Heavenly and heavenly disruptions. And the text says, very explicitly, the text says, it's the lamb who opens these seals. It's Yeshua who unleashes these judgments. Revelation 6 is a parallel passage to Matthew 24. And the key point is that it's Yeshua himself orchestrating these events. And he's basically describing the same events that are depicted in the book of Joel. It's the Lamb who opens the seals. It's the Lamb of God who opens the seals and unleashes the judgments. The Lamb of God is not only meek and mild. He's also a warrior. The scriptures say, The Lord is a man of war. Yeshua's judgments are ultimately for the purpose of removing everything on this earth that hinders or opposes his kingdom and his reign from Jerusalem. He says, look at my scars. I'm the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, and I'm judging the earth to cleanse it and to prepare it for my messianic kingdom because I'm king of the Jews, and I'm king of the whole earth. Adonai Olam, master of the universe. I came as a suffering servant, he says, but I'm returning as a conquering king, as king of kings, as lord of lords. And through these judgments, Yeshua says, I'm calling all men to repent. I'm giving them one last chance to repent. And that's the offensive message to the world. Uh, And the fact that the Lord Almighty is bringing these, these offenses is also very offensive to many believers as well. But Joel is very clear. God told Joel, tell them, I'm the one doing it. Don't water it down. Let them know that I'm the one sending these disasters and destructions. Now, man's evil uh, and the evil of nations uh, and Satan, uh, they're also sources of conflict, uh, but they're secondary sources. The Lord says, I'm the primary mover and source of conflict. And here's why it's so important uh, to recognize and to proclaim this truth because the Lord because if the Lord is the primary source uh, of, of these conflicts, then the primary solution is finding his favor. Uh, the, the favor of the Lord, the favor of the Son of Man who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We need his favor. And because Yeshua is the primary source of the conflict, his zeal to remove everything that hinders the spread of his gospel. Uh, uh, he's the primary solution as well. Solution is to seek his face and his favor. Yeshua's favor is what you need, it's what I need. The world can focus all it wants on the secondary sources of of its problems, man's sin, Satan's rage, uh, uh, and seek secondary solutions uh, like peace conferences and and UN resolutions, but it will never solve the crisis facing us without focusing on the primary source, our estrangement from and rebellion against the Lord and his anointed, the Messiah. God is, is uh, forging a people purified and motivated by his love and calling us to repentance and to proclaim his gospel to our people Israel and a return of total devotion of your life and my life to Yeshua. Joel chapter 1, verse 13. Put on on the overhead. Put on sackcloth, you you, you kohanim, you priests. Mourn, wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to God, to the Lord. If we want revival... And to be prepared for the great turmoil of the last days, we must come before the Lord with repentance, with godly sorrow, with crying out for mercy, humbling ourselves, fasting, praying, interceding. We must seek the favor of Yeshua. There is one man, a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And if he smiles, if you have his favor, the whole situation is is, is solved and, and resolved. And if he does not smile, the crisis will never be solved. We can have Homeland Security uh, and NATO uh, and the Space Force. And Israel can have the IDF uh, and the Iron Dome and the Mossad. Without the favor of Yeshua, our international problems will not be solved. Only his favor and mercy will avert judgment. The only solution is for for the permanent security of Israel is the saving grace of this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. And it's the only answer for our, our, our nation, America, uh, as well. And the Lord works through intimate partnership with his people. So he's calling us in 2024, as we enter this, this, new, uh, a, this new year, the Gregorian calendar, he's calling us to a whole new level of commitment uh, and pressing into him and proclaiming his good news to both Jews and Gentiles. Yeshua is in passionate love with you. And he wants you to walk in intimacy with him. And he releases his blessing on our nation through the conduit of his people who walk in unison with him. Look at 2 Chronicles 7, beginning in verse 13. The Lord says, when I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send plagues among my people, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. God brings healing and blessing on the Lamb through his partnership with his people, those people who humble themselves and pray and seek his face and repent and turn from their wicked ways. This is the only solution to the coming trials and tribulations that will soon engulf the earth. Pray that the Lord will create, pray the Lord will create Goshen's, who will create cities of refuge for his people to take shelter in. God himself is creating crisis. That's the offense. So there's no human solution except his favor, his mercy, his grace. And the Lord is calling us to respond in repentance and mourning and crying out and sacred assemblies and corporate prayer and fasting and intercession and spiritual warfare. Now, we, we have corporate prayer on Zoom on Tuesday nights. We have it here in person early Saturday mornings before the service. Um, those are limited opportunities. So, I'm, I want, so, so, so today from the pulpit, I am wanting to encourage uh, the men's group, Uh, and the women's group, and the adult Bible study, uh, and the young adult group, and the Hispanic group, uh, and and, and the new youth group, uh, and the music team, uh, and and the drama team, to take time and to make time for prayer. Look at Yeshua's own model. Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Yeshua's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Hebrews 7, 25, and he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for them. Yeshua is praying for you. He wants you to be praying to him. That's our model. This is our example for prayer and intercession and crying out to the Lord. Yeshua himself is our model. Now, let's look at this locust plague a little bit. Uh, Joel 1, verse 4, what the non-locust has left that the swarming locusts have eaten. Or the swarming locusts have left, the creeping locusts have eaten. Or the creeping locusts have left, the stripping locusts have eaten. A nation has invaded my land, a mighty army without number. It is the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. Uh, It has laid waste my vines. It's ruined my fig trees. It's stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving the branches white. Desert locusts, one of the most feared catastrophes in all the ancient world. The magnitude of the locust invasion coming across the desert is staggering. Uh, For just one example, back in 1957 uh, in Somalia, there was a great locust plague. Over a trillion, yes, you heard me right, trillion locusts descended on the land, covering 2,000 square miles. The sun was darkened by the locust swarm. Uh, When they died, there were 50,000 tons of dead locusts to dispose of. This is the type of pestilence that Joel is describing here in Joel chapter 1. When the locusts swarm, they, they eat not only all the plants, but they even eat the roots below the ground. Uh, they travel in these compact military-like marches. Uh, they, fly, they, they can fly 17 hours at a time. And swarms have been spotted 1,200 miles out at sea with a density of 120 million locusts per square mile. Female locusts, they hatch their eggs in June. By October, when they in turn uh, each multiply and lay their eggs, uh, there are 18 million descendants from one female locust in five months. The result of the devastation is is first uh, tremendous starvation, famine, because they they eat everything. Uh, They strip the land bare, Uh, all the crops, And this in turn results in poverty, economic crisis, and then disease breaks out because of all the death. Uh, People die of starvation. Animals die of starvation. uh, The locusts die. This all creates more disease. And the disease and poverty in turn breeds more crime and and, and social anarchy. In the midst of all this, Joel is trying to get the people to cry out to God for the Lord to heal their land. Joel encourages people that if they repent, The Lord may relent and send relief and mercy and blessing. Look at Joel 2.14. Who knows? The Lord may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. The Lord says, my judgments can be minimized and cut short, but it depends on your response. With your true heartfelt repentance, uh, the Lord says, I may relent. I may change my mind and send forth blessing in place of judgment. So the Lord, the Lord is calling us to fulfill our, our priestly role of prayer and intercession uh, and standing in the gap. Look at Jezkel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, 22, verse 30. I, the Lord, look for someone among those who would build up the wall uh, and stand before me in the gap uh, on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I'll pour, my, pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger. Uh, uh, bring it down on their own heads. All they've done, declares the sovereign Lord. Your prayers, or lack thereof, make a difference, declares the Lord. How much do we really understand that? Joel two, beginning in verse 13 to, 13 to 14, is the high point of the book of Joel. And it says this, rend your hearts. And not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, to Teshuvah, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. The Lord says, in the midst of crisis, if you seek My face and repent, I may relent and leave a blessing instead, instead of a disaster zone. The Lord can make us and our congregation a revival center. As kind can become a place of refuge and rescue and revival and return. Crisis is coming in the last days. And we see the, the beginning of the birth pangs already. But if we rend our hearts and we turn to the Lord and humble ourselves and seek Yeshua with prayer and, and fasting, and, we, and if we truly love one another, and forgive one another from the heart uh, and renounce our grudges and our bitterness and our resentment, and if we assume the best of one another and walk in, a, in the spirit and not in the flesh, then the Lord can pour out his blessing and he can, keep, he can cause us kind to become a revival center. So we need to prepare ourselves spiritually now and not wait for disaster to strike we, we need to build up a corporate spiritual discipline of prayer and fasting and intercession now so we'll be ready when the crisis strikes in our nation or, our, com- uh, our, nation or our, our community or the Jewish people. But most of the body of Messiah, especially in America today, is just continuing on with business as usual, just like in the days of Noah, believing that judgment will never strike or that we'll all be, be raptured before then, so why worry? Most of the body of Messiah in America really doesn't believe the things in the book of Revelation are going to happen in their lifetime or their children's lifetime. People in the days of Noah said the same thing. Look at Joel 1 verse 2. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Joel asked, has anything like this ever happened? It's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. He says, uh, th- th- "There's nothing of this magnitude, this, this locust invasion th- that you've ever seen." The point is, just as with the locusts, in the last days it will not be business as usual. Joel one, beginning in verse eight, mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the husband of her youth. The grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The fields are ruined. Uh, the, the ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up, the olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers, wail, you vine growers, grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest field is destroyed. Surely the people's joy is withered away. Joel says, You've never seen anything like this. Likewise, in the last times, the Lord is going to dramatically break out on this planet earth, and he's going to go to war against his enemies. Think of the ten plagues. He will, just as if the ten plagues, the Lord will get the attention of the evil rulers of this world with the plagues that are coming, including, by the way, our own government officials who are are overturning God's laws left and right, destroying marriage and the family and biblical morality, even the creation basics of men and women. They will not be spared. Has anything like this ever happened? Joel asks now, if the locust plague of Joel 1 and then the military invasion of Joel 2 were unique, how much more so will the events described in the book of Revelation be unique? They will surpass the events, even those events described in the book of Joel. Uh, the Lamb of God will do whatever it takes to awaken mankind and to get our attention. The greatest revival this world has ever seen is coming. But also, at the same time, the greatest disaster the world has ever seen is also just around the corner. It's like the opening line of Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The best days and the worst days for planet Earth are yet to come. The best days for America and the worst days for America are yet ahead. And the best days for Israel and the worst days are yet to come. And we need to be salt and light. That's Kaim. We need to return to the Lord, to Yeshua, the lover of your soul. We need to return to him with, with wholehearted devotion uh, and with fiery zeal and with burning passion and with lovesick longing. It's a cry of you for intimacy with the Lord. Yeshua says, I want your heart. Uh, I want your heart to be connected to my heart. I want you to come and commune with me daily, to spend time with me, to grow closer to me. It's all about your heart. We come to Yeshua Yeshua with with fasting uh, and prayer because it tenderizes your heart, uh, and it opens up your spirit to to, to receive more from him. Yeshua is the God of the burning heart, uh, and he wants to partnership with the uh, people of the burning heart. He wants the fellowship of the burning heart. So ask yourself today, where is my heart with Yeshua? Am I pursuing him with full devotion? If others saw my relationship with Yeshua, uh, the time I spend with him or the time that I I don't spend with him, would they say that Yeshua and I are madly in love? Would they say that if they saw my relationship, Yeshua and I? And also ask yourself about the second great command. How's my love walk with others? Am I walking in love with members of my own shul? With members of my own family? Have I gone the extra mile to express and verbalize and, and demonstrate that love? Where is my heart? At Chaim, we need to be gripped by Joel's message of wholehearted devotion. And we return to returning to the Lord. And corporate assemblies and mourning over sin, prayer and intercession, fasting, crying out to Yeshua for revival, for mercy, for deliverance from judgment, for repentance. And they wrote to Emmaus, Luke 24, the disciples uh, said when they heard the words of Yeshua that their hearts burned within them. That is what we need for our hearts to burn within us at this revelation that the book of Joel is giving us, of both crisis and revival that is coming, and how we can be spiritually prepared as a people. We need to become the fellowship of the burning heart. Ask the Holy Spirit, the Rakhach to impart this prophetic message of God to you. Joel says to hear this message and tell it to your children. Joel 1, verse 2, hear this, you elders, tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children Uh, on the overhead. This is a a fivefold message. Number one, Joel says, glory is coming. Signs and wonders. Uh, A spirit of prophecy. Revival. Look at Joel 2.28. And afterwards, I'll pour my spirit on all mankind and all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Uh, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God promises to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. This is going to be the greatest outpouring in history. This coming last day's revival will surpass Acts chapter 2 and the whole book of Acts. On the overhead, so number one, glory is coming, but number two, crisis is also coming. It's also going to be not only the greatest revival, but also the greatest tribulation in the history of the world, called the Great Tribulation. Number three, wholeheartedness is required. Wholehearted return to the Lord in lovesick devotion to Yeshua. Number four, we serve a God of of compassion uh, and grace and mercy for his people. Uh, He is the judge, but he's also a God of compassion and loving kindness and grace. Chen, Rechamin, Chesed. And number five, history can be changed as we respond in obedience and repentance. In Joel, the Lord says, I may relent and leave a blessing behind. The Lord relented of his judgment on Nineveh when they repented. We need to similarly cry out to the Lord to have mercy on America uh, and and for us to call our nation and especially our corrupt and godless leaders to repentance. This is the fivefold message of the book of Joel. Crisis is coming, but so is revival. Wholehearted commitment to Yeshua is required. The Lord's compassionate and gracious. And if we fast and pray, uh, and if America repents, judgment can be spared uh, or delayed uh, or minimized. uh, Or portions of America uh, can be spared. Whether We can be cities of refuge. We must be a prophetic people and call our nation to repentance and return to the Lord. Joel says, the Lord says, through Joel, history can be changed. That's Chaim. We must feed our spirits on these truths for the Messianic Jewish movement to be a prophetic end-times revival movement. And the more we're gripped with this vision and this calling, uh, our prayer and fasting, the more we do this, the more our prayer and fasting is no longer just a religious duty uh, or a drudgery, but it becomes real uh, and relevant and a delight to us that we look forward to, that we run to, and it invigorates us. And our heart communes with and touches God's heart. When we get gripped by this fivefold message of Joel, prayer and fasting becomes an invigorating participation with God's heart. It's relevant. It's real. Uh, there's life in it. And you know, this will transform your prayer life uh, because you'll know that your prayers make a difference, that you can touch God's heart. You can change history. That Yeshua desires and longs and yearns for you to come to him in prayer. Then your soul will run. Will run with passion to commune with Yeshua. Uh, He is the lover of your soul. Let him capture and captivate your heart today. But not everyone will understand with or agree with this. Look at 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following after their own evil desires. They'll say, where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on just as it always has since the beginning of creation. Peter warns us that scoffers are going to to resist this message of the last days and the coming of the Lord. Uh, There'll be scoffers and doubters and mockers, both inside the body of Messiah as well as outside. Both those in the world And those who identify themselves as believers, they will have a cynical, jaded spirit full of unbelief, a scoffing spirit. There is much of this in the body of Messiah today. They say, where's this great revival you're talking about? And where's this crisis you're warning about? We don't see either one. But Peter says, know this. These scoffers, they will come in the last days. And they will walk according to their own lusts. Uh, they won't have a vision for what the Lord's doing. They'll have a vision for more money uh, and more pleasure uh, and more power uh, and more popularity uh, and more personal peace and for their own agenda rather than God's. And these scoffers forget what Peter says next. Look at Second Peter 3, verse 5. They willfully forget that God judged the earth in the past through the flood and that he will judge it in the future through fire to destroy the ungodly The word of God will be fulfilled. And note the warning for us to uh, becoming lukewarm. He also warns us. Look at Zephaniah 1, verse 1. At that time, I will search Yerushalayim with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like uh, wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. The Lord says, I will punish the complacent that have a lukewarm, indifferent, stagnant spirit. Uh, who say the Lord won't act in the affairs of men, who say there'll be no great revival among the Jewish people, and there'll be no great judgment on the enemies of God or the enemies of Israel. But the Lord, through Jew was, Jew, Joel, was telling us, that he's saying, listen up, because it's coming. The great day of the Lord is coming, like a thief in the night. We must therefore embrace this fivefold message from the book of Joel. We must ask the Lord for a spirit of revelation of the power of prayer and fasting and repentance and humbling ourselves before him and seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways and asking the Lord to heal our land. The greatest crisis in America today is not what's happening in Washington, D.C. It's not just the, the wokeness of the deep state and Hollywood and academia and media the greatest crisis is in the body of Messiah. It's our lack of commitment to the Lord uh, and not being willing to stand up and to, st- uh, to and to stand against those who, who are this evil that's engulfing our land. Uh, you know, it's appalling how many churches won't even condemn Hamas uh, and, won't even, and won't support Israel's right to self-defense. Our nation's problems will not be addressed until God's people first repent and stand for righteousness. And stand in the gap in intercession. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. That's the message of Joel. And then finally, look at Joel 1 verse 3. Tell it to your children. Joel says, teach your children this message that God's glory is coming. That crisis is also coming. But that a wholehearted, fiery devotion to Messiah, burning passion for Yeshua will make a difference. Every child needs to be filled with this understanding. You know, a child's spirit is is like wet cement. Whatever you write on the wet cement, they'll consider as true and normal. Our children are little open spirits. They're they're teachable. they're, They're moldable in a good way. It's an awesome stewardship that we have as parents and as teachers and as role models. We need to teach these truths to our children so they will think and understand that it's normal to believe in the coming of God's glory uh, and a great end times revival. And they'll be prepared uh, for the crisis that's also coming. Uh, And the prayer and fasting. Uh, That this is what God's people do. And everyone they know who's older, they see doing it. Uh, And they therefore, likewise, they embrace it. Uh, This creates a positive spiritual culture uh, and spiritual environment that welcomes sovereign moves of God. And it drives out the scoffing skeptical uh, spirit as well. It drives out the complacent, lukewarm spirit before it takes root in your children. There is a spiritual environment, a spiritual culture the Lord wants us to establish and to cultivate here at this time. We must raise up a community and a generation with a believing spirit, with an expecting spirit, a, a spirit of faith and trust in Yeshua and his word. We need to guard our children from the demonic and ungodly influences that are all around them, uh, like TikTok, uh, unfiltered Internet, uh, the public, i.e., government-run school system. You no, know, our school system once, a long time ago, served the purposes of God, or, or at least were not hostile to them. But now they openly war against the Lord and his word. Our public schools are filled with indoctrination, and into Marxist-based uh, critical race theory that pits children against each other based on the color of their skin uh, and separates everyone into these oppressor and oppressed groups uh, that they push this diversity, equity, inclusion, which does the same thing, which mandates results based on what outward group you belong to and not based on merit or equal opportunity. The schools, they aggressively push the, the LGBTQ agenda Uh, with pornographic books in the school libraries and and teachers secretly helping students to transition to another gender behind the parents' backs. And anyone who speaks up against this is canceled uh, and disciplined and censored. And countless believers send their children to these public schools to be indoctrinated against everything that they've been taught at home uh, and taught at school about faith uh, and God and the Bible Then those same parents will spend their life savings to send their children to colleges to receive years of of intense indoctrination aimed at undermining and undoing everything the parents have spent the previous years accomplishing. The reality is rank apostasy and immorality and and, and intersectionality and Marxism has taken over our public schools, and we must be willing to pay the price to resist it. Resisting ungodliness in your workplace can lead to suspension, reeducation sessions, firing. Resistance in your profession can lead to revoking of your credentials and your licensing. Resisting in your school can lead to suspension and discipline and expulsion. These are not hypothetical risks. These, this is already happening all over America. Nevertheless, we must count the cost and stand for righteousness. And resist and separate. And this issue of separation is becoming more and more critical. You who are parents have the most sacred trust in the world. Raising up your children in the Lord. And you will need to pray and to make the choice as to whether it's right and whether it's of God to send your children to public, i.e. government schools. Government-run, government-controlled schools. Where they're more and more being indoctrinated against their faith or whether you will try to seek other alternatives, uh, private schools, schools, homeschools, homeschool co-ops. I would love one day when, God willing, we have our own building, for us to sponsor its own school. Any, And this same principle applies also to other realms of society as well. Any participation in any institution that hinders or compromises your faith or your obedience to the Lord, which entails participating in ungodliness, must be forgone and separated from, even if it means sacrifice and hardship and loss of your privileges and and position and opportunities or facing the wrath of that institution because our future and our hope is not in the hands of any institution but in the Lord. Indeed, when a society sets itself up against the ways of God, We, as the people of God, must set ourselves up against the evil of that society. And the time is coming, and now is, when we must draw the line in the sand and stand against that which is evil, even when that which is evil is is being praised uh, and supported and established and enshrined and enforced by our culture uh, and by the state in which we live. So it's time we must take a stand when we see our nation descending into anti-biblical immorality. We must take a stand even when it costs us. You know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Menetiahus in the book of, of Maccabees, uh, Yochanan HaMabil, they took stands against ungodly rulers, even when faced with persecution and torture and death. Likewise, in our hour of testing that's coming, we must not shrink back. The good can only be good in as much as it opposes that which is evil. And the greater the evil, the more powerfully and resolutely we must stand against it. We must become countercultural, live against the flow of an ungodly culture. The body of Messiah needs to stop trying to conform to the ways of the world and instead be a shining light in the darkness. You know, as I said two weeks ago, if you were here, our churches have become more like six flags over Jesus. Instead of a separate people seeking his holiness and his approval, not the world's approval. Typical sermon in many megachurches appeals to the flesh and magnifies pursuit of self. Well, Yeshua calls us to mortify the flesh and to die to the self. Western civilization is returning to its original state of paganism. We must return to the original origins of our faith, the Jewish roots of the book of Acts. It was in the book of Acts. The Messianic Yeshua faith uh, existed in its purest form, Uh, not as an established institution, not as a cultural fixture, not as a worldly power, but as a life-transforming, revolutionary, world-changing movement. And so to each of you, my holy brothers and sisters, we must return to that first state of the first Messianic believers, the disciples, the apostles, uh, the messengers of the new covenant, those first-century believers who transformed the course of culture and civilization and human history. The Word of God reveals Yeshua and Him crucified is the ultimate mystery, the aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end, the origin and the ultimate goal of all things. So it must be for us, that's Chaim. We must make Yeshua our aleph and Tav, our beginning and end, the ultimate goal of our life. You are to therefore fix your eyes on Yeshua and proclaim the name of Yeshua and glorify Yeshua in all that you do and walk in the footsteps of Yeshua. That's time you are to live your life from Yeshua, from Yeshua and for Yeshua, in Yeshua, through Yeshua, of Yeshua, to Yeshua. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Hallelujah. The music team to come on up. Father, thank you for this. Message from the, your prophet Joel. Thank you, Lord. Because this message also applies to us in these last days. Because, the Lord, the time of the Gentiles is coming to a close, we see. And you, Lord, are once again focusing on Israel, bringing everything back full circle to where it all began in Jerusalem. And anyone who comes against you or comes against your people, Israel, or against Jerusalem, comes against the apple of your eye. Lord... As your people, help us to be prepared for these prophetic times in which we live. Help us be ready uh, for a great revival, especially among our Jewish people that's coming. Help us to know how to reach out to them, how to disciple them. Help us to close to you, Yeshua, with wholehearted devotion and commitment and daily growing in our faith. It'll be the best of times, Lord, but you tell us also it'll be the worst of times. Uh, a great crisis is coming also so help us lord to get our house in order as you look and as you look for those who will be watchmen who will stand in the gap uh, and perhaps even stem the crisis lord help us come before you with weeping and mourning and crying and with sacred assemblies uh, with confession and repentance with prayer and fasting and intercession help us to be that prophetic voice uh, uh, that warns the people and calls them back to you. And Lord, help us finally to have the courage and the boldness to stand against uh, government uh, and culture, against schools and universities, against school boards and city councils, against social media and cancel culture, against Hollywood and mainstream news and cultural elites who mock you uh, and promote every sort of evil against you. Help us, Lord, to be salt and light in a backslidden civilization. Uh, And to exhort our nation to return to you. And Lord, we pray this, Yeshua, in your name. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom.